Hey everybody, you are about to listen to the highlight reel of 2018. This is an epic podcast to close the year that features some of the guests that I've caught up with during 2018. It's going to be a long one, uh, probably about an hour-ish. And so if you're listening to this on a fly, a road trip, a train journey, whatever, that's perfect. You'll love this. I'm putting out a final episode tomorrow, which is a lot more motivational and goes very deep into my thought process and ideas. I'm currently recording this at 1am, so sorry if I sound a little bit uh, croaky. Um, But anyway, you'll hear that episode tomorrow. My personal brand has reached a stage in which I'm going to be putting out 150 plus pieces of content every single day during 2019 across my social media profiles. That's more than what some people put out in their entire career, so watch out. Um, <laughs> and all of it will be in 12 languages, which is pretty damn awesome. I'm bound me up with some of the biggest rappers and entrepreneurs of our generation as well as athletes, musicians, and so many incredible people. The next few months are going to be great, and I can't wait to show you what I've been up to. Thanks for stopping by. If you loved the episode, leave a review on iTunes, DM me your thoughts on Instagram, send me a tweet, or email me if you want to go old school. Enjoy. Clip is from when life gives you lemons. I think I pronounced that right. Um, basically, when I was in Florida, I caught up with Lennon, one of the writers at EDM.com. We sat down, we just chilled out, we had a talk, and we had a really interesting discussion. So, enjoy. So, Matt, why don't you? Why don't we kick off and kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what yeah, you've done? Yeah, sure. So I started off when I was age 16. I created a charity single for Cancer Research UK. It was called Beautiful. That track ended up getting about 150, 160,000 Spotify plays with the project in total. Uh, we got some remixes from the likes of Class, who is a platinum-selling German producer, Marvels, who are within the electronic scene, within their sort of niche, pretty well known, and a couple of others uh, from like Sony and a couple of other places, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, One of the remixes ended up being played at Tomorrowland, which is one of the biggest EDM festivals, so that was pretty awesome. Um, Got supported by Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike, Rehab, Pete Barzook, I think is how you say his name. Um, So yeah, that was really awesome. And then from that, I went on to work at The Wall of Comedy, which is a giant viral platform page, whatever you want to call it. At the time, it had about 2 million followers. Now it's on around 5 million. And basically, I was writing articles, doing interviews, just working with people and understanding the social media industry, as it were. I was learning to sort of 
understand the social media environment, how to get followers, how to get likes, boost engagement, that type of stuff. And when I moved to Australia, would it been August 2017, I left the wall of comedy and I got pretty deep into the music industry. So I decided, right, I want the attention within the music industry. How do I do that? So I thought, well, media, that's a good place to start. So I hit up a couple of big media blogs, several got back to me, and I ended up getting a job at EDM.com. So that was pretty awesome. One thing before I forget, one thing that you have been kind of that I've really admired about that you've taken a very tactical, very different approach is, is going after different social media influencers. Like that's not really the standard route. It's nope. most people take the standard route of PR. They hire an agency or somebody. They reach out to bloggers. They reach out to the Spotify curators. They reach out to SoundCloud repos, whatever it may be. But they're not reaching out to influencers. So kind of explain that. Why, why did you do that and, and how has it been for you? Has it been successful? Has it been not successful? What kind of results have you seen from that? I tend to think of it as who has attention within social media. And for example, although they may be not the most popular people, Jake and Logan Paul definitely have a lot of attention. Um, and so just things like that, which made me think, oh, we should definitely be working with these people because they have a lot more attention. They have a lot more eyes on their content than, say, a YouTube promotion channel, all the cliche stuff like that. Um, I apologize if I curse in this podcast. No, cursing is fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started looking at a giant list of influencers. I literally wrote down them all in like a spreadsheet type thing. Um, and I've got about 500 entries in there now. So every single time I do PR, I go through the list, I contact them, I write every single email out individually. I don't do copy and paste because I don't believe in that. Um, <laughs> that must take you a lot of time. But the results are so much better. Yeah. And often they'll end up featuring the track if it's a good fit. For it. So, for example, Tropical House, that goes really well with travel videos. So I beat the Australia, sort of the tropical areas there, um, the Caribbean, Mexico, like travel videos in those types of places are really good for sort of chill house, the chill side of EDM. Whilst more harder stuff, so like Bass House and things like that, that will go really well. Gaming videos, and so I've got lots of gaming. High um, energy stuff. Yep, exactly. And so the way in which it translates into views, as I said earlier in this episode, so they can put it in the, the Spotify link, obviously in the description of the YouTube video. But also people often have Shazam open on their phone and running in the background or on their computer. And if a song's playing in the background of a video and it comes up on their screen, chances are they're just going to search for it anyway and add it to their favorite playlist. So you get streams, you get followers, you get likes, and obviously if the content is good enough, chances are they'll hit you up on social media as well. Cool. So just you talking about that came up. I came up with a couple of different questions. Um, so with every genre of music, there's always an audience. So how do you kind of discover that audience? Like you said, tropical house music goes really well with travel videos. Mm -hmm. So what are some other genres? I mean, you, you also discussed like bass house music goes really well with the gaming videos. So how, how can one kind of test the waters in that? Like how would you start kind of reaching out, kind of 
getting placements rather than just getting rejections. Of course. Um, so what you do is you look at people, um, the type of music they're already featuring. So for example, if an influencer is featuring a lot of tropical house music, chances are they ain't going to feature your bass house music. Like You just got to use common sense. And um, what you do is you go to probably their Facebook page or a website if they have one and find their email address. And you hit them up and you say, hey, influencer name, my name is whatever. I have X amount of views. I would love to give you this new song, which we recently made to use in your YouTube videos. We won't give you copyright strikes, claims or any of that shit. Um, And I've attached a private download link. I look forward to hearing from you. And that's literally the pitch. And... Because they get so many pitches which are similar, chances are that they may reply or they may not. But if it's personalised by their name and things like that, chances are they're going to think, oh yeah, they've took some time to put in the effort to send this to me, so I'm going to take some time and actually reply to them if I like it or not. And although they may not like the music, they may ask to send uh, for you to send future music and things like that. And you just got to build a relationship, to be honest, because that's the best way to go into things every single time. Uh, absolutely. And the music industry is absolutely about relationships. You're going to get a lot farther in the industry if you're building relationships. Like, like for example, Matt and I were talking about on Sunday, his, he's He's got some pretty significant meetings coming up. Yeah, I can't obviously reveal the names quite okay. yet. Quite yet. I mean, <laughs> he's told me what they are, but we're not going to reveal them quite yet. And by the time this podcast is live, yeah. you will have published it. But at the time of the showing, yeah. we won't be saying anything. Um, so also kind of going off of the different audiences and tropical house music fitting with travel videos, how does the time of year factor into that? Does it factor into that? Like, for example... Northern United States, Canada is obviously going to be colder in the winter months. Mm -hmm. So traveling to those locations might not, tropical house music might not fit snowy winters. So how does the time of year kind of factor into that? What you've got to remember is the seasons in the southern hemisphere are totally flipped. Um, For example, in Australia at Christmas, it's really hot. And so if at Christmas, I'll just focus all my promotion on, for example, tropical house travel videos on the Southern Hemisphere because it's still warm. People in that area are still looking for that type of music. And I think you just got to factor it by your demographic. For example, if you do have a large following in the United States, uh, create your content around that. So, for example, you could do winter sports videos with GoPro and stuff like that. If it's a high-energy video, you just got to be creative around the topics and the ideas that you have alongside your music to have an effective strategy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, we're flipped. It's, you know, so if it's, if it's the wintertime in the, in the Northern Hemisphere, then you just focus on the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so kind of going into the segue is that that kind of comes into like public relations. How do you kind of go about all of that stuff like what are some a couple things that you should take into account before you start reaching out to those different people what are some things you should have in line do you have a, a folder of tracks lined up ready to pitch how do you kind of go about the strategy to reaching out to these people as i said earlier so i have a database or a spreadsheet whatever you want to call it of influences within different genres it's filtered by their location so their country um, the type of videos they make, so travel, gaming, whatever. 
And so every single time I get to send a track, obviously I get paid for it. Um, I just go through and select the uh, influences that it would suit. Um, often it's probably 100 to 200 influences, I'd say, per track. And admittedly, sometimes it doesn't get featured at all. And that's just how it is. Um, but likewise, in some other cases, we've had really successful results. So I think it's just a balance of the two. Like you've got to go into it knowing that you're going to get rejected. You've got to have the mindset of that. But you've also got to have the mindset of, right, we've got to email as many people as possible because the more people we email, the more chances we'll get of it being featured. And that's just how you've got to think of it. True. And, and we had a discussion on Facebook comments the other day that was pretty true. There's a lot of people go into public relations thinking that it's their, their segue into the industry, mm-hmm. into international stardom. And oh, it can be. It can be, absolutely, if you connect with the right person. Yeah. But more often than not, it's, that's not the case because international stardom is just not an overnight success. It's mm-hmm. not easy to accomplish. But, um, yeah, so when it comes to PR, there's all kinds of facets of PR, and one of yes. them is playlists. And we yes. both kind of had the experience with, with playlists, you more than me, obviously. But So how, how can playlists influence ones, whether it be streams, whether it be influence on the industry, whether it be within their... Uh, respective genres, et cetera, et cetera. Can I discuss a little bit about that? Okay, so when you pitch to Spotify, there are forms which you fill out or you can just pitch directly to the curators, whichever they prefer. Often they'll have it on their website. And basically the way in which Spotify streams work is that if a playlist has a lot of followers, a lot of people will listen to it. So if you get into an EDM playlist with a lot of followers, a lot of EDM fans will listen to it, they'll save it, so they'll listen again. And if you just get into more and more playlists, so for example, 10 million reach, chances are you'll easily get a million streams if people like it, if the song is good. And you've literally just got to hit up every single playlist within your niche, ask them uh, to feature your music, often in exchange for something, so more common than not, it's money or social media shout-outs, whatever. And yeah, literally just go hit up as many as you can within your niche because if you actually talk to as many as possible and network with as many as possible, chances are they'll feature it if you have a good relationship with them. Another facet in, in, of PR is is blogs, and I know you've we've kind of discussed about this before. You've talked about it quite a bit, and a lot of people are kind of um, discussing it as well. Is blogs don't have as much value as they used to? I'd say the value is different to what it was used to. True, I, I would agree with that. Um, certain blogs are worth more than others, and sometimes it's it it really it's really kind of a hit or miss thing. Um, so. Kind of talk a little bit about how, why you have that opinion versus blogs are worthless versus blogs are everything. Kind of discuss that. I wouldn't say they're worthless and I wouldn't say they're everything. I'd say right at the moment they're slap bang in the middle almost. Uh, simply being because the media within the typical landscape of journalism, entertainment, whatever you want to call it, it controls people's opinions, it influences people's opinions. And so if you're working on an EDM blog, if you get featured by an EDM blog or whatever genre you're in, uh, people will be influenced 
by the fact that you've appeared on that blog. So, for example, you can use it as leverage to go and get shows in certain countries, certain places. And that's what it's used for now most of the time. Often it's, it won't give you traffic. Like, I'm just being straight up honest. If you think it'll give you a lot of traffic, it won't, even if it's billboard. Um, and so instead, a lot of people will just, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, they'll basically just use it as leverage. So, for example, for a show, for a, a booking agent, or to get a manager, because it shows that people have an interest in your music. People like it. They want to write about it. And so it's sort of a proof of concept that your music is good enough to take it further. And so when you when you say leverage, you're saying it's basically a running resume of yes. say you're going to a promoter and you're saying, hey, I've been featured on Billboard, I've been featured on EDM.com. So then it shows, it shows the, that the target market, the consumers like the product essentially. Exactly. And I think that's that's good. Um, but there's also a lot of other things that factor in. Like you can't just get featured on three big blogs and think you're going to get booked across the country. It's not that easy, unfortunately. It'd be um, nice if it was. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it would make our lives a lot easier. It surely would. Um, so another thing you've been doing, you talked a little bit about this, is is your management. How have you kind of factored all of your playlist skills, your blogging skills, your marketing skills? How have you kind of factored that into your artists and grown them? Um, so at the moment, what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a self-sustaining music industry machine so I don't have to release without labels or anything like that. So, for example, with EDM.com, I'm creating a network of bloggers across like Your EDM, Ear Milk, uh, EDM Chicago, Dancing Astronaut, all of them. So when the time comes that my artist starts releasing music once every two weeks, I'll have the contacts to go, right, here's the song, write about it. Not literally, but... <laughs> um, and then also the playlisting, like, it's pretty obvious that if I've got good playlist contacts, I can get them into more playlists. So, for example, the official ones at Spotify, a lot of EDM ones. Uh, he's also going into rap and pop over the next few months. So I'm trying to create uh, networks within those genres as well. And obviously, when it gets featured in more playlists, he's going to get more money, we're going to get more streams, and that money will be mostly reinvested back into his career. And so, yeah, like I'm just trying to create a good uh, self-sustaining model with the music industry and then just apply it to my artists and literally just loop them into the machine and help them grow. And we'll come to labels in, in a little bit. But So have you you've realized that getting published as much as blogs are kind of right up the middle of being their everything versus their worthless kind of right in the middle there is a happy medium there. The relationship you have with the bloggers greatly influences the success you have with articles, correct? 100%. And <laughs> so if you're, for example, I'm more apt if Matt were to send me a song and he wanted me to write it for whatever publication. Being that I have a relationship with Matt and we've talked, we've now met in person, I can trust his, his judgment on good music and vice versa. We, I'm more apt to write about it than somebody who's hitting me up. Randomly on the Randomly email. Yeah. via email. Because and you have a relationship with them, you trust them. And quite often you're just happy to help a friend out. And that's how it is within the music industry. Exactly. And not only that, a lot of the a publicists they tend to attack my personal emails. Oh, and yeah, I don't I like that. that. Mm -hmm. I strongly advise against that. Um, but for the most part, if 
if Matt were to hit me up with a song and vice versa, you know, he's more apt to write about it. I'm more apt to write about yeah. his because I can trust his judgment in, in music. Um, so now let's kind of move into labels. You said that you yeah. wanted to start talking, you wanted to create a self running machine. Starting a movement. Starting a movement. <laughs> it all starts with a movement. It really does. Um, and we've, I've really noticed a trend over the last five to 10 years, even that labels are kind of becoming not as important. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd certainly say they're less relevant. They're less relevant. They're still important Mm. because sometimes they have bigger marketing budgets and they have big artists, big artists. Drake. And of course, (laughs) of course you have, you have the three big labels. You have Sony music, you have universal music group and, and Warner. So, and within those, there's subsidiaries within subsidiaries. There's loads of and there's So if you can definitely get signed to Warner Music Group, you're obviously going to have a huge marketing budget. You're going to have a massive database of contacts. Oh, yeah. So And you're going to have people who know exactly who to talk to. Um, but labels are not as big as they used to be. They are everybody tends to start their own label and just release through it because it's very independent these days. Kind of, can you talk a little bit about why they're becoming more independent and versus why you would rather have an independent versus signing a 10-year contract or whatever? Uh, First of all, information is now commoditized. Like 10 years ago, the major labels, so Sony, Warner, Universal, they used to have all the information on how to be successful in the music industry. But now that the internet is a lot more progressed than what it was back then, you literally just got to type into Google how to get a million plays on Spotify and it'll tell you a rough result or you can just get my articles, whichever you prefer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, so first of all, information is becoming more commoditized. So you can just literally get information on how to do something and if you've got the right contacts, the right strategy, you can do it, no problem. But also, a lot of labels take 50, 60, 80%, whatever. And what's the point? Like... I've had a lot of labels which we've released within the past and they've done literally nothing on the marketing side at all and they've taken 60% of the royalties and it's like, why? And so by releasing independently, first of all, you have a lot more control as to how you release, when you release, the artwork, the strategy behind the song. You also get 100% of the royalties unless you collaborate with other artists, of course, or whatever deals you have in place. But when you sign a 10-year contract with, I don't know, Universal, you're pretty uh, restricted as to what you can do within the music industry because they're going to say, right, we want you to release three times a year. You're going to have this brand image. You're going to have this, this, and this, and this. And it doesn't become your career, your vision anymore. Instead, it becomes somebody else's using you as a vehicle to get more money, more profit, whatever. And... That's fine for some people, like, I accept that, and if that's what they want, then so be it, good for you. But personally, I just like the vision of being able to control my destiny, my future, my career, and certainly my artist's career, and that's why I'm putting it on the record that I won't sign him to a major record label, certainly not in the way which they are right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I follow a guy, his name is Ari Herstand, I don't know if you've heard of him. He He's a song singer-songwriter, and he's written a book that I just finished reading, um, How to Make It in the New Music Business. Great book, by the way, if you'd like to um, read it. Um, but he talks about 
on his Twitter and in his book and how a major record label is not the gateway. It can be it can be really good or it can be the demise of your career. I know people have been signed to a major record label. <coughs> major record label, they've had like a five-year, ten-year contract and they regret it instantly. And it's just because they're so restricted, like you had mentioned, they literally have to release three times a year. They have this image. They're going to be touring these, these countries. They're going to be meeting these people. They're going to be interviewing with these media companies, et cetera, et cetera. And they literally have no control over their careers. Exactly. Like I've spoken to a lot of artists uh, quite high up. So, for example, some big pop singers. And often they'll get uh, requests to collaborate with people within other genres. So, for example, country, rap, whatever. And they would love to do it because they think, oh, yeah, this would be good for my music career. But... The major record label would just say, no, you're not doing that. And so that just get wiped off the agenda completely. And I think that's quite sad. So you have really kind of grown yourself within the music industry. You've been very successful and you have some, some, (laughs) you have, it's very inspiring to see what you've done and the people that are listening. And it's, it's good to see a fellow friend and, and music industry professional kind of growing. Um, so how have, you set up these big meetings that you have that forthcoming. How have you kind of met with these? these networking. Networking. <laughs> so I graduated from Full Sail, and that is their number one thing, is they, yeah. they thrive on networking. Any entertainment industry, yeah. you have to, have to, have to network. Oh, yeah, definitely. So why is networking so important? Why? First of all, you meet so many people. Like when I was in New York... I met someone, they introduced me to more people, they introduced me to more people, and just within the seven days I was in New York, I met a lot of people within the music industry. I got invited to Trump Tower to have a meeting there, that was pretty awesome, and you just get to meet so many people, like you never know who you're going to meet, who they might be friends with. Um, For example, now I'm pretty close with a lot of big managers, big artists even, And just the fact that it allows you to expand your career for future opportunities, whether it's collaborations, remixes, free tickets to a show. (laughs) Um, Like, there's just so many opportunities available. And if you network, if you actually talk to people, because people have social media, but they're not being social on it. And so by networking, it just allows you to actually explore the industry you're in. I recently got into, like, trying to do more Twitter networking because a lot of musicians are on Twitter and they're also being hit up less there as well so they got more chances of reading your DMs yeah absolutely for me I've I've found success just going on LinkedIn and you know for example if I want to work at red light management I'm searching red light management in there finding all the people who work, who there, work there hit them up what reading clicking on their profile saying artist manager at red light management yep. what artists are they managing Okay, find them on Facebook. Yeah, find them on exactly, Twitter. Exactly, exactly. I con- love this theory. Start a conversation, and I found a lot of success through doing that. I've had interviews with jobs, which haven't really gone anywhere. They have just haven't been a fit for me. They weren't. They didn't end up to be what I thought they were. But just having that connection, saying, "Hey, my name is Lennon. Here's what I'm doing," it means a lot. Also, with Facebook, literally now, I think I actually only discovered this feature about two months ago. But you can literally search people who work at Red Light Management, people who work at Monster Cat, people who work at Sony Music. And what you do is you go to people and you just literally scroll down, look who has mutual friends, add them up, they accept, and then you message them saying, hey, 
what's up? You know, it, taking that extra step and showing that you're willing to make an effort to set up a meeting, to set up a phone call, to have lunch, buy them a coffee, whatever, it, it speaks volumes upon everybody else who's just who's just attacking their email. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As you can probably tell, networking was one of the main focuses of that chat because obviously it's just such an important tool, resource, or just thing to be doing in any industry for that matter. So whether you're in music, entertainment, travel, photography, whatever the hell you're doing, networking will help you. Literally list out 100 to 200 people that you fuck with, that you want to work with, email them, and let's say you email 150, maybe 10 will get back to you, but those 10 could change your life, and that is how things happen. This next episode is with Ethan Bear, he's the owner of EDM.com, and we talk about how to get featured on blogs. So, uh, just as a, a little bit of a preface, yeah. I'm Ethan Bear, mm-hmm. and I am owner of EDM.com and a partner in Artist Intelligence yep. Agency, uh, which is a record label and a publishing company. And how I got my start, um, so I was a DJ in college, and I used the word DJ loosely, no <laughs> vinyl, no Serato, yeah. it was all, all Ableton, you know. Mm. Um, but I DJed for some college parties. It was a good way to make yeah. friends and share my taste in music and just mm. kind of be more active on campus. Definitely. And I got, I got to a point where I was kind of, in my, gr- in my group of friends, I was the yeah. music discovery guy, I would say. <laughs> That's and awesome. so it got to a point where a lot of my friends were always asking me for input and ideas on new music. And yeah, what you're like the go-to out. guy. Yeah, yeah, I was the go-to guy. So I started a blog. And, you know, I never had any intention of this becoming my business. <laughs> I just started just, just to, happen yeah, just to guess, share music yeah. with my friends. And I decided to take a year off after college. Uh, I was thinking about going to law school, but I figured I needed a kind of a gap year, mm-hmm. I guess, just to figure out where my life was going. Yeah. And I realized during that one year period that this little music blog that I started for fun was paying my bills. Not much more than that, but I was, it was able helping to, you get by. I was yeah. able to live, you know. And for me, that was enough that I decided to kind of give it, uh, give it a go, so yeah. to speak. And it just kind of all happened from there. That's awesome. Um, so, how did EDM.com actually come about? Sure. Yeah. So. To give you a little background, uh, we started actually as dubstep.net. Yeah. I, my first, my original blog was Subsynthesis, uh-huh. um, which I loved, but it didn't really have kind of the mass appeal mm. of dubstep at the time. Like yeah. dubstep was just getting a lot of attention mm. at that time. So we got dubstep.net as our yep. first website. And slowly we started to incorporate additional genres of music into our mm. music promotional network. So we got trapmusic.net, house.net, yeah. uh, drumandbass.net, hardcore. So uh, pretty much all the EDM genres. All you the can EDM think of. genres. Yeah. yeah, our goal really was to have exact match domains for all the different genres of music. And initially, that was a really great strategy because if you were to search dubstep online, one of the first things you'd find was dubstep.net. So I think the SEO was right, pretty good. Right, so it was good, really yeah. an SEO like domain Definitely. authority angle. Uh, the downside of that is by the time we kind of established ourselves in all the genres we were interested in, mm-hmm. we were running 15 different websites, which, which can were be all pain, essentially yeah. like the same website, but with different types of music. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just felt like 
every day was doing the same thing 15 times. That's annoying. So rather than running 15 separate websites, we decided we needed to consolidate everything into one yeah. platform. And by this point, this is a couple years down the road, I think it's like early 2013 or end of 2012. Uh-huh. And um, EDM... <clears throat> excuse me. No worries. Yeah, EDM was had really emerged as one of the... Um, EDM had really emerged as kind of the, one of the key buzzwords in yeah. the music space at the time. And EDM.com, we, we did a couple different website searches and it happened to be for sale. Damn, that's and pretty good. And so we reached out to the guy and ended up coming to a pretty good deal. He, um, <laughs> he had bought the website in 1996. Wow. And at the time he bought it, he had a, a choice between two different domains. Mm-hmm. He believed him and like his group of friends or whatever, they believed it was bad luck mm. to have more than to buy more than one domain. Yeah. So he was choosing between two and the two that he was choosing between was edm.com and golf.com. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure now he probably regrets not going after golf. Mm. Uh, but he was an engineer by trade and his kind of area of expertise was something called electric or electronic discharge machining. Okay. And I don't to this day still don't really know what that is but that was his thing and so mm. he bought edm.com and he didn't really know like why people were interested in it now yeah. he knew it was something that like the kids these days think is cool um, <laughs> but it was kind of like a little bit he didn't know the true value of it of course um, so yeah you know we ended up getting a really good deal on that and consolidated all of the websites into edm.com and yeah. it was really kind of a perfect storm at just the right time when Definitely. that was a pivotal uh, the timing was perfect. The timing was perfect, and that was the big movement in the music scene. And mm. yeah, just everything kind of fell together, and that became a very dominant platform in the dance music space. Definitely. So, as you know, EDM.com has managed to accumulate over 1.7 million on Facebook, several hundred thousand on Instagram, and it's become one of the most reputable blogs within the music industry, essentially. Right. So what advice do you have for producers wanting to be featured by blogs within music? Um, I actually have some good good feedback on this one okay. in particular based on a recent article that you wrote. Yeah. A uh, yeah. recent post that you <laughs> made. But I mean, you just... If you're looking at it from the perspective, if, if you're an artist, right, yeah. and the artist just needs to look at it from the perspective of the blogger or the yeah. writer or the person at the publication that they're trying to get support mm. from, and just, you know, put yourself in their shoes and understand that on any given day, they might be going through a hundred or even a thousand yeah. emails or messages that are identical to yours. Exactly. So, what what makes yours stand out, and what makes yours something that won't be immediately discarded Mm -hmm. and things that are immediately discarded is like blatant spam or you know easily copy anything that just like really really blatant copy and paste anything that just like you read it and it's immediately kind of like makes your skin crawl or you're just like turned off by it yeah so be genuine be authentic and get to the point you know you don't want to take up too much of the person's time but you want to get the message across Mm -hmm. succinctly in a way that's easily understood and get right to the point include the music include whatever else and then don't do like spam follow-ups because all the I get that all the time and I'm just a writer at the right yeah and I I get the mentality of like oh okay they must be busy so I'll just follow up yeah but for the most part, like most writers, most bloggers that I know actually do a really good job mm. going through all of their emails and all of their submissions yeah. and they take that very seriously and it's exactly. like kind of a point of pride for them. 
and generally if you're an artist and you haven't gotten a response it's just unfortunately because it's not gonna it didn't get declined on it got that de yeah, occasion yeah and um it's better to move on than to become recognized as the guy who spams yeah exactly you know? like some people just take it on the chin and they go okay cool i'll just send you my next song when i release it in several months and it's like exactly. okay cool i'll be more than happy to listen whilst others may sort of get a bit offended and be like why aren't you featuring my song you don't know anything right. about yeah, music getting offended, getting offended is not a good strategy <laughs> exactly like that'll just make uh bloggers not want to feature you if right. anything yeah and another hard uh, this this angle is a bit more difficult, mm. uh, but I know it's certainly something that you advocate. Yeah. Is rather than diving right into asking for favors, mm. try and start some sort of a relationship. Exactly. You know? and like whether that's sending the person a message on Facebook, just saying, "Hey, I saw the newest release you guys put out on yeah. your label. I really love the vocal on that track." And like, mm. even if it's not like super, like you really want to be my friend, like creating rapport is exactly. important. It, it's really important, and it's. It makes me much more likely to listen to your track mm. than someone else's because I know you. you exactly. Know? And like, at the end of the day, as a blogger, as a label, A and R going through submissions, you do have to try mm. and be objective. But we're we're subjects. We're yeah. people, and like interactions and relationships do it matter. It definitely helps. And as much as you try and like put conflicts of interest aside mm. and like really be unbiased, having a relationship with someone will always be helpful. So like exactly. trying to come at things rather rather than from an angle of how can I get what I need from mm. this blog come from an angle of how can we work together or exactly. what, what way can I create value for this blog so yes. that they want to work for me like make it a mutual thing rather than a please help me mm. well, I get a lot of people I mean I don't know about you but quite recently especially over the last couple of months I get messages of people just saying hey please feature my song right. thanks right. and it's like no like that occasion I probably don't even listen to the track because yeah. I'm not going to put in the effort of writing up their song, spending 30 minutes on that if they can't spend two right. minutes Right, and the thing on, is, is yeah. that may have been the best track you were sent that day mm. or that week or that month, but because they were rude or yep. because, you exactly. know, whatever. Exactly. That, it's, it's really a shame when, like, poor behavior yeah. or poor communication skills get in the way of talent. Exactly. So it's just about, like, being polite. You know, like, a lot of it comes down to just good communication mm. skills. I totally so One other thing you. I really do want to add, though, is don't get discouraged. Yes. Because I can't tell you how many artists will submit, you know, for example, on our record label side, mm. we have a, a submission portal or, like, basically yeah. a platform where artists can submit demos, right? Mm -hmm. And then we go through all the demos. And... I can't tell you how often there's an artist that will submit 10 tracks, 20 tracks, every one of them gets rejected, wow. and on the 21st track we accept it and it ends up being a big release for that artist. Uh, wow. And it's only because they were persistent, but mm -hmm. on the flip side, I also probably couldn't tell you how many artists get rejected on the first or the second track yeah. and then either get pissed off or never submit again because they think that we don't listen to their music or whatever. And exactly. It's, it's just about sticking with it. If you believe in your music and you're confident in it, mm keep submitting and good things will happen you know if you're confident in your own work other people will be too awesome. um yeah i totally agree with you obviously people are like i put a status up about a couple of weeks ago of how literally to get featured on blogs 
and I saw some people saying, oh, but you guys don't listen to the music, you don't reply to the artists, and it's just like, yes, we do. Um, it's just a case of actually them putting the effort, uh, putting in the effort to make the rapport, make the relationship. Right. Yeah, for the artists to hear, we do want to hear your music. Yeah, we like, we need the content. Music. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what are your thoughts on blogs and sort of media sites in general? Do you think they're still as important as they were, or do you think that their use has changed, or what? Um, <laughs> it's a tough question because I'm involved in this yeah. scene, but I'm also, like, on the one side, on the, on the record label business, the uh, role of blogs and media platforms has certainly changed a lot. Yes. So when I, I first agree. entered the space, it was really the, uh, the era of Hype Machine, mm -hmm. right? And Hype Machine drove massive traffic. Like, having your track chart on, on Hype Machine could be a... a it could break a record. I know people who have done that, yeah. Um, and you get onto Hype Machine mm -hmm. by having your music featured on the right blogs. Yeah. So that right there created a whole sort of ecosystem where getting blog coverage was incredibly important. And mm. there was an entire industry of like publicists based around Hype, Hype Machine, Machine campaigns, which meant, you know, you had to know which blogs were feeders for Hype Machine and you had to get each blog to feature it 12 hours apart so that you'd extend the duration of the of the time yeah. cap on Hype Machine and it was you know very complex systems mm. entirely based around the blogging industry yeah. and now Hype Machine is you know I don't even know if it's I think it's still around but it's like by it's no not, means nowhere near as relevant it's by no means relevant to like breaking records at this yeah, point of course and uh, that definitely dealt, dealt a serious blow to the media space but I don't think it made it irrelevant. Mm. I think that it has different uses. Yeah. Um, whereas in the hype machine space, it could directly drive streams. It could yeah. drive numbers. That's less so nowadays. Even like the Rolling Stones and the Billboards mm. don't really drive traffic per se, yeah. or very rarely. But they do have a lot of kind of ancillary effects. Mm -hmm. So on the sync licensing side, for example, if your track gets featured in important publications... Yes. Then That's it. you know, video game studios and commercial agencies—they're more it. likely it's, to it's want quality your music content, because yeah. exactly because it has sort of that cachet. It's cool. Mm. It's in the public domain. Exactly. Um, also so, helps with booking agencies. Yeah, it also like helps that. with booking agencies. It helps with even with record labels, not mm -hmm. on the numbers side again, but in showing them like, look, I'm recognized on more than just in my little community. Yes. I'm on an international. Space, you know? and that sort of helps progress their career. Obviously, they can use it as a stepping exactly. stone to get to and other places. Exactly, and then the one other thing, which again, this is something that you particularly have a lot of insight into. Yeah. A lot of media platforms have shifted to being all about, you know, I don't want to say print because it's not print; it's mm. a blog or it's di digital, uh, you know, articles. But a lot of the a lot of the web publications have shifted to more of like the BuzzFeed and like that yeah. type of content where they're much more heavily dependent and uh, much more heavily focused on utilizing all of their social platforms mm, as well. Totally agree. So creating viral content yes. and using using the blog more as a central repository for mm -hmm. all of that viral content as opposed to accounting on the blog itself or the website itself to drive traffic. It's yeah. more of the hub for where all of the little viral pieces of content go that that drive traffic. Exactly. So, yeah, I think the role has shifted dramatically, mm -hmm. but the it, the influence and the relevance and the importance is still there. It's just about knowing where it's applicable and when to when to take that step. Definitely. 
So, obviously, you're a pretty busy guy most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> um, so, what are your thoughts on maintaining productivity, but also trying to get a social life? Do you think that you should sacrifice your social life to get a better career, or what? I mean, that's a, such a hard... I, I don't know if you could have possibly asked me a harder question. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bigger one coming up, trust yeah, me. Yeah, that's a tough question because, you know, it depends on your objectives. Mm. Um, and it depends on your personality. And it depends on, you know, what you get your happiness from. Yeah. I know people that... Uh, and I have a lot of close friends that, honestly, they live to work. Yep. And I'm sure I could find a therapist or a psychologist that would say, oh, they're compensating for something or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, they love working and they get they get energized by working yeah. and it makes them happy. And finding that balance oftentimes isn't that important for mm -hmm. them, you know. But I know other people um, that if they don't have X amount of time to themselves or yeah. away from work, then it really starts to drive them crazy and their productivity suffers as a result and they lose passion in their projects. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to say specifically. So it's um, dependent on the individual. Very dependent on the individual. But what I will say okay. is that regardless of the individual, it's very difficult in yeah. the music space. It can be very hard because a lot of things that in most like industries or in mm. most places in the kind of corporate world you would consider purely social life. Mm. In the music industry, a lot of times that's work. Exactly. So going to shows, Go festival a lot shows. of people would consider yeah. going to festivals and shows as purely personal social activity yeah. but if you need to be you know you're managing an artist or you're mm. doing a bunch of social activ activations or you're taking meetings a lot of times you're not enjoying yourself at all while mm. you're there really totally you're agree. only doing work and so it can easily become where you're working and then you do these things that are social but all the social things turn into work functions and you really and start totally to lose overlap. your social yeah, life yeah. and from experience that can be very um isolating yes where even if you have a lot of friends in the workspace you start to lose a lot of your friends outside of work because mm. you're just so busy and it can take a long time to realize it's happening but it yeah. can have pretty negative effects so it is important to just make sure you are keeping time for yourself even if Definitely. it feels like it's like you can't afford to take the time in yeah. the long run you can afford to take the time and you need to or, or everything else will suffer as a result I thought I should just jump in there really, really quickly because uh, I just thought I'd provide an update that I am no longer at EDM.com. I left the brand in order to pursue my personal ambitions, obviously, as a entrepreneur. I don't want to say the word influencer, but I'm going to use it. Um, and yeah. However, we are still on really, really good terms, and we're still very friendly, and it's like that with absolutely everybody I've parted ways with, so that's great. Um, but yeah, like, we had a really good chat about work-life balance, how to get featured on blogs, and even if you're not in the music industry, like, that still applies to you, because you do need to take the time off for yourself, and you do need to have that perspective of how long life is because ultimately if you just go and burn yourself out every single day every single week every single year you're not going to be happy in life and that actually leads on to the next clip very very well I speak with Simon Wilson he's a youtuber he's one of my favorite youtubers who I watch pretty much every single day when he uploads a new video and we talk about gaining perspective, we talk about being humble and appreciating life for what you have. 
He currently has about 130,000 YouTube subscribers. He's done challenges in Israel, North America, Europe, uh, like so many amazing places. And he even did New York to LA with no money, so that's incredible. Anyway, enjoy this clip with Simon Wilson. Came out of school, I fell into real estate by complete accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put a lot of time and effort into that. I ended up having my own real estate business. I bought my first property at 18. Oh. Um, and it was it just went really well, but it was never really my passion, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so after I went to Thailand in 2016, I think it was, it just, I, you see these people with absolutely nothing. And, mm. you know, compared to them, I had everything, but they were happier than me. So yeah. something, something was imbalanced. So when I got home, I thought I want to start doing something I love. So I started making, I started doing a video, um, like just a vlog, like all the first ones, like, you know, going yeah. out for the day with my sister and stuff like that. So just to rewind as well, January 17, I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to make a video every week for, you know, until I was decided not to. And mm. um, I found it hard to stick to that. And obviously finding content, I was just going out for the day with my sister and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, the McGregor fight happened. I snuck into that. Obviously, got a $100,000 seat for free. That was crazy. Um, the plan was never... I know, that was nuts. The plan was never to sneak into that. I was in America mm. um, at the time for a month's holiday because I was on a new show on ITV2. Yeah. So I thought, oh, just before that airs, I'll have a month in America. And I went to Vegas to soak up the atmosphere. And, you know, that sneaking video happened by just complete just randomness <laughs> to be honest and just spontaneity um, wow. and then yeah the, the rest is history in the final clip of this highlight reel we speak to vicky bannam she's a musically or well now tiktok influencer with over a million followers and we talk about influencer marketing and how you can approach these influencers how you can get them to respond and potentially use your music, interact with you, or whatever your end goal is. Enjoy. Um, is there anything that you sort of wish you knew when you were starting out? Um, oh, when I started, I think I just wish I had a bit more confidence in myself. Yeah. Um, I wish I knew the scale of musically. I wish I knew the opportunities that it was going to have so that I could just do it more at the beginning I think I should have I wish I wish at the beginning I knew what the opportunities were going to be that's probably the main thing really yeah exactly I mean there's so many opportunities right now obviously like a lot of people are doing brand deals like people are paying to get their music featured by influencers and stuff it's absolutely amazing like how long does it take you to create a video so that can take up to six hours to make wow. a video yeah um, to you know shoot it paint it and edit it and then get it up can't take anything between like four and eight hours um but then wow. like the little sketch ones can take like an hour two hours well, that's not too bad yeah yeah it's, it's pretty good so i can churn out quick and easy ones i can probably churn out about nine in a day wow yeah <laughs> that's yeah like, is that your, sorry for asking, but is it like something you do full time now or is it? Yeah, just... yeah, so I quit my, I got a 
job in December and I quit it <laughs> in March. <laughs> wow, right? that's good. Well done. I know. So when I got the job, I was at like 100k followers. Mm. And I was like, this isn't really going where I thought it was going to. It's a shame because it's my favorite thing in the world. But yeah. that's fine. Like all good things come to an end sort of thing. And then mm. come March or April, I hit a million. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I should have stuck this out a little bit longer. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go full time give it a crack and see where we can go really exactly i don't blame you like going all in on sort of your passion you're able to focus all of your resources all of your energy on it exactly and i feel like if it's if it's meant to be it will get somewhere and if not it will get you somewhere else like it only, it'll only open doors for you that's why there you go like it creates so many opportunities like social media especially right now there's so much attention like if you compare it to i don't know a tv advert or whatever we'll just blindly watch them and not pay any attention but when so you're when you're watching a musically video, an Instagram video, or whatever, you're paying full attention straight to it, and so it's... yeah, you're so engaged. It's amazing, especially the kids. Like, because obviously my audience is quite young. Yeah. Um, kids are like phenomenally engaged, and like <laughs> I did something. I remember I did like a live stream about over a year ago, mm. and I think I said something like "itty bitty poo" or something like that, and they still quote it today. And I'm like, how are you remembering that? Like, that was so long. <laughs> and they're still oh, like, bless. Do you remember that? Like, that was so long ago. That's insane. But it's really nice. Like, they, they really concentrate on what you're talking about. I mean, you could be sat on a live stream for four hours and they'll still listen to every single word like you're preaching from the Bible. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> that's, like, wow. I'm just trying to comprehend that. Um, <laughs> so, like, what's been your favourite moment within your sort of career so far on Musical.ly? Oh, I mean, a massive moment was when um, Musical.ly UK messaged me personally last August oh, yeah. saying we've got an event on that you had to apply for, it was like a competition, mm. but um, we want you to come and perform here anyway. So I went and performed at a UK event, um, which was amazing, and then I thought that was that, and then I got a message from them like on a Tuesday being like, what are you doing this weekend? Can you come out to Milan and do your body painting? Oh, was like, that when you met Celine Half or whatever her name Helen, is? Helen, yeah. Yeah. Helen. Oh, how do you know about that? Um, it was on your Instagram, I think, or oh, something. Like, yeah, well, Helen I met at um, the UK one. Yeah. She won the UK event, so we went to Milan together. And it was just, like, the most phenomenal weekend. Like, mm. the, I don't know, it was just so amazing to be noticed. Yeah. Um, at that point, I was only at, like, 30, 50k followers around that amount. So yeah. nothing major on in musically terms so to be like noticed and picked out and, and wanted was really nice for me so that was for pretty sure. incredible that's amazing was that I guess that's all expenses paid or something yeah yeah so it was all expenses paid and they just wanted me to go out and perform wow and I had my little spot um, and then they took me up on stage when the painting was done and showed the world and then and then I got a cool photo against everyone against the stage it was just really nice that's amazing really nice. that's just like <laughs> a really nice experience obviously getting to travel a little bit yeah you know? exactly Awesome. Yeah. So I'm really hoping they have more stuff like that. This year. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> okay. Is there anywhere you really want to travel to? Or... Sorry? Is there anywhere that you do really want to travel to, if you could? Hmm. I think I'd really like to go to New York, obviously. Yeah. New York's my favourite. But I'd really love to go somewhere like Barcelona or somewhere just really interesting and different. Definitely. Maybe like London or stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's loads. I don't know what's there for me, <laughs> <laughs> I know there's loads of places around the world which are absolutely beautiful. Um, so obviously this is a social media podcast, um, yeah. as you know. 
Um, so what advice do you have for people wanting to grow their following or just their engagement oh, on Musical.ly? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I could write a book about that. <laughs> I think the main thing is just crack on. Yeah. Like you're going to have rubbish days and you're going to stand and be like, what am I doing in my life? But it will get to where you want it to be. Mm. I just think that perseverance and like self-belief is the most vital thing to this stuff. Yeah. Um, like, there's been so many days where I've turned around to my parents and been like, I'm going to stop, like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> and then, then, like, the next day, like, you know, 10,000 followers can come in out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, wow. So, so, just crack on. Like, you never know. You never know where it's going to take you. It can only lead to good things. Exactly. Like, like, I always say when I'm talking to people, like, you could give up the day before everything went massive. Exactly. Yeah. That's so true. And I'm always like, what if? What if? So... If you're always wondering what if, why don't you just crack on and do it? Especially if you're young. Like, I'm 20 and I mm. still live at home, so I have no expenses. And it's just like, well, well that's great then, yeah. I don't even not be doing it to spite my own self, so. And yeah, you've got time, you've got this sort of ability to be able to do this type of thing. And obviously, I think social media and definitely sort of Instagram influences, musically influences everything will become very sort of prominent within the economy over the next 10 years, obviously, that's with. Exactly brand deals and whatever sort of taking precedent yeah um so what advice would you give to someone who's trying to get a hold of influencers like how's the best place to sort of message them or the best style to sort of message um, so i had a message from someone the other day yeah who needs to work on their app and they really personalized their email and it was lovely like mm. you get people that are like hi at vicky banner we've seen you on instagram and it's very clear that it's a robotic thing and yeah. I actually, when I got on the phone to this guy, I messaged him, like, your outreach is phenomenal. Like, the way you <laughs> is so good. Like, keep doing that because you'll get a lot of response. Yeah. Um, it's just really nice. He was like, I love what you're doing and your painting's great. And, and he really, it, it was pretty obvious that he'd looked through my work and it actually made a difference to what he thought. Mm. So that's definitely a main thing. I think messaging them via an app like Instagram, I totally revise that. But obviously, if they have email addresses, then you can get a hold of that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I was just going to say, sort of obviously personalising emails. Oh, speaking of emails, I've just got six. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally six came, just, just came through at once. It was like, what the hell? Um, oh, lovely. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Um, but yeah, sort of personalising emails, yeah, I think that definitely works because otherwise if it just looks spammy, copy and pasty, I, I don't reply to spammy, copy and pasty emails anyway as it is. Just so like lovely to receive that somebody's actually taken the time to check yeah. out what I did. I don't know. I just feel like if somebody's giving you the time of day, you might as well give them the time of day. So. Exactly. <laughs> um. Where are, oh, there we go. Um. So I think sort of we can both agree, sort of touching on the earlier point that sort of influencer marketing is becoming sort of increasingly more popular within yeah, the sort and of. Yeah, so vital, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um. Like after all, people on Instagram, YouTube, and and musically are sort of getting amazing engagement. Um, so yeah. what's your take on it? How do you see it evolving? Like, do you think that musically will sort of have a lot more sort of prominence, like featured ads and stuff like that with influencers? Yeah. Or how do you see it working? I think, personally, I think musically is going to head in that direction. And I keep on saying to people, I reckon that musically will be in the place that Instagram was two years ago in yeah. at least 12 months time. Um, I just don't see how it will go wrong. I think they've got an amazing, they've been bought by 
ByteDance, which is an incredible company. Um, mm. And I think they know what they want and they've seen other apps, how they've done it and, yeah. and they've what works and what doesn't work. So I was involved in an offline campaign um, where they posted, where they put, sorry, our videos on um, around tube stations in London, which oh, wow. was amazing. But that's exactly what YouTube did 10 years ago and look at YouTube now. So they're obviously looking at what's working on various different apps. Exactly. And they've got an incredible support behind them with Bite Dance. So I just don't see how it will go wrong. And there's a lot of negativity and a lot of question around Musical.ly, but mm. you've got to stick positive, I think. And, and if you want it to go somewhere, you've got to do something for it. So Exactly. Just, if you want it to get to like a brandable platform and brand brandable place, I think the creators have to kind of pull together to get it to that point. Like it won't get there magically. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, companies like Disney, I know sort of a lot of sort of bigger companies like Fox and whatever, they're, yeah. they're also sort of putting a lot of financial resources into getting influencers on the platform to sort of promote yeah. their videos. Especially sort of among the younger audience, like, I'm just thinking like slime videos and stuff like that right now. That's definitely oh, been... Sorry, Say that again. Oh, sorry. Um, sort of, you know, with the massive slime videos and stuff like that, which yeah. became absolutely massive. I know sort of companies yeah. which were sort of actually the people who made the slime, which sold in stores, getting the influencers and oh, stuff really like cool. that. Um, so, yeah. So, this is a question that I ask at the end of all interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if the world was to end tomorrow, <laughs> what would you want future generations to remember you by? Oh, my God. Oh, I wish I had to prepare for that one. <laughs> um, Take your time, it's fine. Exactly, like you're like a role model to them essentially at the moment. Oh, I don't know, but I always call them like my internet friends, like them they're my they're my online pals, you know, like I'm there yeah. to help because they help me out with what I want to do. So like there was sure. mental health awareness week last year that I was doing live streams on and I was just talking about it, like everyone has it, everyone has problems, like just talk about it. and like I don't know, it sounds really silly now that you talk about it online. I mean out loud, but mm. like being able to help people who have no idea what to do because I've been in that situation that would be nice to be remembered by it's just like what you stand wow. for that's yeah. incredible 